Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. Today uh, on In Awe by Bruce, we have Rodney Laughlin. Uh, we've had him on before, so this is his second interview. And the first time he was on the show, it was after he completed his 14-year process for the readable Bible. Now he's gone even further. So I'm going to let him talk about what this further is, because I think you're going to find it to be very powerful. Rod, thank you for joining us for In Awe by Bruce. How are things going? Oh, wonderful, Bruce. God's been really good. It's an interesting journey, walking with the Lord, asking him what you should do next and just doing it. It, yeah. it makes life exciting. <laughs> well, you definitely, you can tell the passion in your voice. So let's get down to it. What did God put on your heart that moved you beyond doing the readable Bible into something else? Well, when I finished translating the four Gospels, I found myself asking that question that I think every serious Christian ends up asking at some time when they're reading the Gospels. Will these four accounts go together and be one story? Does it really harmonize? Is there any conflict? And I thought as the major developer of a new Bible, I needed to be able to answer that question honestly and on an intellectually sound basis. And I wasn't satisfied to simply read what somebody else had written. I thought, I need to know for myself and be able to speak from that. So I read through the Gospel of Luke. Most people think it's chronological. It's, Luke says he said everything in an orderly fashion, whereas the other Gospel writers really grouped events. They didn't do it chronologically. So mm -hmm. it looks like Luke's is chronological. So I read through, I took a spreadsheet. And on line one, I put the first event in Jesus' life, and line two, the next. Let's just say his baptism, for instance, is an event. And I wrote down the scripture. Let's just say, I don't know where it is in Luke, but let's say it's chapter three, verses one and two. So I listed all the events in Jesus' life in the Gospel of Luke. Then I read the Gospel of Matthew. And in column C, when I got to an event, let's say Jesus's baptism, in mm -hmm. column B, I had Luke's scripture reference. In column C, I put the Matthew scripture reference. Maybe it's chapter 4, verses 5, 6, and 7. Maybe it's yeah. three sentences instead of two. And then I did that with each book of the four Gospels, with every event in Jesus's life. And I discovered we have 438 moments in Jesus's life in the four Gospels. Jeez. And so then I would take each moment. Let's take Jesus's baptism. And let's say I have one sentence in Luke, two in Matthew, and three in Mark. I took those six sentences, mm -hmm. and I took every noun, adjective, verb, and adverb, and created two or three sentences that said everything that's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So now wow. we have everything we know about that event from the Gospels in one paragraph. So I did that in 438 events in Jesus's <laughs> life, and I ended up with a manuscript of about 350,000 words, reduced from about 575,000 words, because Jesus came up out of the water, let's say appears 
three times in mm -hmm. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, so it's just one time in my manuscript. And I ended up with a manuscript of Jesus's whole life. I only found 20 words and I had a difficult time that I just wasn't sure where they fit in the story or it looked like it might have a little conflict. And you know, out of 550,000 or 575,000 words, if I've got a problem with 20 words, uh, that doesn't really bother me. I think I might have a little bit of misunderstanding myself. What do you think? Yeah, I, th I think so. <laughs> I think the odds are in the favor of that. <laughs> so, um, here I ended up with a life story of Jesus as one account. And you discover incredible things when you see Jesus's life with all the information that way. It was really interesting. For instance, I, I got to thinking, how many days of Jesus's life do we know about? Take a crack at that, Bruce. How many days did he minister and how many days do we know about? Wow. And you think of the events <laughs> that you named. I, I'm not sure if I could come up with a number. I'm I'm sitting there thinking, maybe I should shoot low because uh, the yeah. way you phrased it. Well, well, you know, he had about a 1,400-day ministry. I think it's really right around 1,400 days, which is you start to see how it flows, lays out when you do it this way. But we actually only know about 93 days of Jesus' yeah. life uh, out yeah. of 1,400. And actually, uh, some of those days, all we know is he traveled throughout Galilee. Uh, right. He visited the synagogues or towns and synagogues. And a lot of days we know what he did for 15 minutes or one hour or two hours. So think about that. Let's just say these 438 events average two hours apiece. We know about a thousand hours of Jesus's life. And if mm. we figure he was out there at least 10 hours a day, we know about a hundred full days out of over a thousand, less than 10% of his life. Now, wow. actually, okay, when you start to really hone it down, it comes down to two or 3%. So John said, if all the things Jesus did were written about, it'd fill more than all the books in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So that doesn't make a lot of sense to us when we think how many books there are. But what most people are not aware of is that even in 1400, the Cambridge University Library only had 113 books in it. Oh, okay. Because the printing press had not been invented. Mm -hmm. And it's the printing press that made it so that like today, we have tens of thousands of books done every year. But back in the day of Jesus, in the lifetime of Jesus, there were maybe a hundred books in the world, if even that. So mm -hmm. it was a true statement what John said about all the books in the world couldn't contain all the things that Jesus did. We know very little, and it's just amazing. When this came to you, what was it that brought the idea of combining it? Was there anything else uh, that, because you put it into a form where there's dialogue? Yeah, well, I got to thinking about lost people. Lost people will not read the Bible. They're not interested in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. But we need to get the word in front of them. Now, the younger generations, they don't, they don't know who Jesus is except a concept and a word. So I got to thinking, how could I make this so that lost people would read it and learn about Jesus? Mm -hmm. So the Lord put the idea in my head, hey, make it like a secular biography. Make it read just like Carl Sandburg's biography of Lincoln or, or one of the Ambrose biographies, any, any modern biography. 
So I got my senior editor for the readable Bible, Susan Tuff, and I talked with Susan about let's embellish the text. And Susan's a great writer. She's creative and she has a master's degree in theology from Trinity Evangelical Seminary. She's deep in the word and she went to work embellishing the text. And it just became a, an incredibly interesting story. When um, the angel appears to Joseph, he mm. grabs the back of a chair. He's jolted to alertness. <laughs> What's going on? You know, you know, the whole story comes to life by embellishing the text some to where you see what, what's really uh, normal. When an angel appears, we don't just sit there bored and listen to him. Yeah. But when we read the Bible, we tend to read it in a monotone. An angel appeared to Joseph and said, but what happened is, holy mackerel, there's an angel. Yeah. And Joseph's <laughs> there terrified, right? Yeah, right. And he's, he's shaking, so he grabs a chair. So by embellishing the text, it makes it much more interesting. Not only that, the um, lost people are not interested in reading sermons. So they're not going to read a five-page Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. So Susan turned the Sermon on the Mount into a dialogue. Jesus says, you are um, the light of the world, the city light needs to be put on a hill. I I've lost the quote, excuse me. But anyhow, <laughs> he talks about being a light. And so we insert that Matthew says, I never thought of myself as light. I just try and obey the law. So is that okay? And Jesus responds and says, I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. And he explains that. So the text becomes a dialogue. And it's very interesting as a dialogue. Now, to Christians, the Sermon on the Mount's wonderful, just as it is. But mm -hmm. to a lost person, that's not something they want to read. So it reads like a continual dialogue between two people. And the whole story of Jesus, we, we bring out the humanity, much like the chosen one does. Mm -hmm. So somebody's looking at this going, well, hold it now. This isn't the Bible, right? No, so I never called this the Bible. This is the life story of Jesus Christ. It has all the content of the four Gospels. But mm -hmm. when Jesus told a parable, he told it many times. He was an itinerant preacher. He was going from town to town. And he was, let's say, in an area where they're growing wheat that time of year. And he tells the parable of the sower, let's say. And he tells it in one town and another. But there's different people there in different circumstances. And he tells the story a little differently. And, and we never tell the same story twice the exact same way. Mm -hmm. So in the anointed one, we have a combined story with everything that Jesus said. But he actually told the story three different ways. So God has a reason for the scripture to be the way it is. And I'm not trying to change the scripture. I just want the lost person to be able to read the scripture without thinking I'm reading a Bible. As right. God says, his word won't return void. Rod, here I am as a, as a Christian and I'm going, okay, so the anointed one does this. I like that. How can I use this with my friends that don't believe in Jesus or don't even know much about him or have totally wrong ideas? Well, yesterday I'm on my front yard raking leaves and the uh, UPS driver is coming up the street and he honks his horn and uh, stops the truck. And he says, I got a big box for you, Rod. <laughs> I said, great. I said, Al, 
have you ever read about Jesus? And he says, no. I said, this box has 20 copies of a book I just wrote. Would you like to read it? I didn't give him the title. This box is full of books about the life story of Jesus. And he says to me, is it a Bible? It's called the anointed one, the complete life story of Jesus Christ, because uh -huh. he did not why he was not about to accept or read a Bible. I said, no, it's just like a biography of Abraham Lincoln. It, I wrote this book about everything that was recorded about Jesus by the people that knew him. And it reads just like a biography he says, sure, I'd love one. So I uh. dwarfed one over to him. I put my name there and I put my phone number in it. I said, Al, when you finish reading it, if you got any questions, call me and I'll take you to lunch. We never know who's going to get saved. You know, mm. the day before I became a Christian, nobody dreamed I'd be a Christian. And <laughs> here I was just reading a New Testament that I had. And I read this verse, for you have been saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I thought, wait a minute, this is past tense. He's telling everybody past tense, they have been saved. And I'm confessing my sins to a human being and doing the penance he tells me to do to get to heaven. And right here, Paul writes to everybody in this church. And I know there's people sitting there listening to the pastor reading this letter who have committed mortal sins, a sin that's serious in its nature, you knew was sin and did intentionally. And under the teaching of the Catholic Church that I was a member of, they say you're going to hell until you confess that sin and do the penance. And here, all these people are sitting there, maybe a hundred in the congregation. Surely there's a bunch who've committed moral sins and not confessed them to a priest. And Paul writes, you have been saved, past tense to everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's by faith through grace, it's a gift. And so I got down on my knees, 10 o'clock at night, all alone. Nobody had ever shared the gospel with me. And I said, Lord, I believe your word. Wherever this leads, whatever it means, I'll never again confess my sins to a priest. I will trust that my salvation is a gift from you. And of course, God sent my brother-in-law, who was going to Dallas Theological Seminary, to the house next week. He uh. gets us going to a Bible-believing church, and the story's still going on. But nobody dreamed that I was going to become a Christian yeah. that day. Yeah. So the trick is to get the scripture before people. And so we want people to use this as a Christmas gift for their lost neighbors, their lost relatives, their lost business associates, for the UPS man, for the Amazon driver, whoever will take it because they'll be reading about the life of Jesus. And in the introduction, we invite people to read it. We say, you know, everybody has an opinion about Jesus, mm. but not everybody is well informed about Jesus. And everybody has a right to have an opinion about Jesus. We encourage you to put your opinion aside, read this book. When you finish, you'll be able to honestly say, I know all about Jesus mm. because we bring into the text other New Testament scriptures. For instance, when Jesus was born, we say, and there lay Jesus who thought it a thing not to be grasped mm -hmm. and be like God, but emptied himself and was found in the form of a servant of a human being. Mm -hmm. So Paul writes about that, of course, in, in Philippians. So we bring in Old Testament scriptures and new, and a person who's read this book can honestly say, I know all about Jesus. And the Lord's going to bring some to him as his servants, where they'll take Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let's say I'm a Christian reading this book. Is there ways that people could do it like as a group study or 
do you have anything for that or what would you oh, suggest? Oh, they could, but you know, I, I, no, I don't. And I intentionally haven't because this is not scripture. And, and my work in life is to proclaim him, urging every man to come to Christ and grow in Christ. And I think that happens through engagement with the scripture, not engagement with books about the scripture. Mm -hmm. So um, I do not want to encourage people to use this in group studies. I'd rather they read Matthew or Luke, read the scripture. Um, but for individual use, it is wonderful. You discover things that you, that you never knew about Jesus when you read this book and you get an understanding of the chronology of his life. In the back, we have a map of where he went every year, year by year. Mm -hmm. There's a map for year one, two, three, and four. There's yeah. a table next to the map showing all his travels. And I just can't get to where I want people to study Susan's and my writing instead of just studying God's writing. You know, okay. Tucker Carlson's reading the scripture. Last night I heard him say, I just finished reading Job. He's made, mentioned in several interviews lately how he's reading the scripture. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to find an address to send him a readable Bible. <laughs> that's great. But, that's but, great. You know, it's exciting. That man's in the scripture. I want people to read the scripture because God will bring men and women to him that way. Okay. Now let me ask you, as you're doing this, I mean, I don't know exactly how long it took you but as you went through this, did anything surprise you or did anything like bolster your faith in a way that you weren't expecting? Yeah, it, it all comes together. It makes one perfectly logical story. Uh, that's a blessing of reading the anointed one for Christians to know here I have all of the text of the four gospels and I see how it makes one story. And I think it, that alone makes it a valuable reading for Christians. And I could see how maybe that would make some sense for group study too, a little bit, but uh, I just would rather people were in the scripture. But it is so interesting, and every believer will learn new things and get new insight into Christ by reading the anointed one. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, now, should we touch on what you're doing next? Well, yeah, let's do that. But let, let me finish by saying uh, we'll be talking to your audience again in April, I guess. But if you have anybody graduating tonight, I'm going to a graduating ceremony for uh, one of my grandchildren. Give the anointed one as a graduation gift. Make it your standard graduation gift instead of giving people a book like Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You Will Go. That book hits the bestseller list every April and May because people use it for a graduation gift. Christians should give Christian literature for graduation gifts, and the anointed one is what young people need because like 60% of young people have never read any scripture, have no idea who Jesus really is. Next, you want to know that? Well, uh, I have a foundation. All the prophets of the anointed one go into this foundation and as the uh, same with the readable Bible. The foundation, our main program right now is called Gospel Giving Sunday. And we're encouraging all evangelical churches, regardless of denomination, to give every person who walks into their worship service on Gospel Giving Sunday a Gospel of John and teach them how to give it away to a lost person. Gospel Giving Sunday is the Sunday before Palm Sunday. 
So uh, I've spoken to um, the regional meeting of the Evangelical Free Church pastors recently and a regional meeting of Calvary Chapel pastors. I was the keynote speaker at the Milwaukee Pastor Appreciation Banquet a month ago, mm -hmm. and I got to speak to all together some 300 pastors and show them how to teach their congregation to give away scripture. You see, every pastor has a problem. 90% of the people who he preaches to every Sunday, he knows, have never given away any scripture or a tract and never will. So I have a program where in two minutes they can teach their church how to give away the gospel using three sentences. Mm. So let's take Gospel Giving Sunday. Uh, we're going to have 200 to 300 churches, I think, passing out 20 to 30,000 gospels of John to people when they walk into the worship service. The pastor stands before them and he says, take your gospel of John that we've given you and everybody pair off. And then he demonstrates how to give it away with three easy sentences. Bruce, you're my lost neighbor. I walk mm -hmm. up to you 10 days before Easter and I say, Bruce, Easter's almost here. I got you this gift edition of the gospel of John. It tells the whole story and you hand it to him. Three simple sentences. So the pastor gives those sentences to his congregation, calls somebody up onto the platform, gives him the gospel demonstrating that, asks that person to give it back to him. Then he turns to the congregation and he says, okay, everybody do just as I did, repeats the three sentences. The congregation gives it to their partner, everybody back. And in two minutes, he's taught everybody how to give a gospel away and equip them and sends them out. So that's coming up this coming Easter we hope to have, as I say, we'll have two to 300 churches this Easter. We hope to have a thousand churches next year. And I'm hoping everybody in your audience will take that idea to their congregation. When we do the program in um, April, we will have on our website a way everybody can go there and get sent brochures to give their pastors and mm -hmm. sample uh, Gospels of John. Great. So, having fun. So how you, you are having fun. I, I want to join your team, by the way. Um, All right. One thing I wanted to do before we left, though, is I wanted to celebrate. So give us an update on how the readable Bible is doing and what's happening with that next. Well, it's kind of exciting. The, uh, the Museum of the Bible has three stacks of them in their bookstore. Would you believe that? No. <laughs> I, that's too exciting for words. In the um, Wow. So Congrats. The first printing is actually sold out. Christian books out of them. Amazon's out of them. Maybe there's some Christian bookstores with them in stock somewhere. And by the way, you can buy the anointed one anywhere books are sold. Uh, Amazon, I know, has some in stock. Christian book has not stocked it yet. So they've missed out because it's, it's actually the first printing has just run out, although it's out there in the retail stores. So the readable Bible, uh, if you look at the comments on it in, in sales places, you'll see that everybody loves the content. Now, the first printing was not high quality. The second printing is going to be really high quality, and there'll be one available with a black faux leather cover that'll be beautiful. There'll also be that beautiful cover for the paperback edition, but it won't be available again until the late March or early April. I'm sad to say we're missing the Christmas season, and that's the sovereignty of God. God mm -hmm. has a reason for that. It'll be interesting someday to learn what that reason was. <laughs> Good. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's fabulous. Thank you. And I'm, you know, praise God for it selling so well, because it really is fabulous. I use it. It's, it's wonderful. Very helpful. Well, I'm glad to hear that.
wanted to ask you, is there anything else or any other places you want people to go to learn more about what you're doing? Like a uh, website? Yes, you know, we have several websites. Uh, theanointedonebook.com. I forgot to mention that. You could go there now and you can buy the anointed. Well, you can't buy it at 30% off because they're out of stock. I uh, imagine they'll be back in six or eight weeks. So certainly have them when we get to graduation season. Right now, you need to go to a regular bookstore because the stock's all gone out to the bookstores. But we have the anointedonebook.com to learn more about this book. Then we have gospelgivingsunday.com. You can actually see a four-minute video there where I make a presentation to the Evangelical Free Church pastors so you can understand Gospel Giving Sunday, and you can download a brochure about it there. If you want to buy uh, gift editions of the Gospel of John for yourself to give away, you can do that at gospelchallenge.org. That's set up for individuals to buy gift editions of the Gospel of John. We've had people come to Christ just reading this gospel. You put your name in it and your phone number. It's a beautiful gift edition. You'll see there on the website with a beautiful cover. Uh, we used it last year for Gospel Giving Sunday. And we had a man give one to a waiter in South Carolina. A uh, man wrote his name and his phone number in the front of it. Now we have a line where you can do that. But the first printing, we didn't have that. So he came up with that idea. A week later, the person he gave it to called him up and said, I read that gospel, John, and I accepted that invitation. And I went to a Baptist church and got baptized yesterday. <laughs> so praise the Lord. When you give a gospel away, you never know what's going to happen when it has an invitation to receive Christ mm -hmm. in the back of it. Mm -hmm. And then there's a uh, readablebible.com is the website for the readable Bible. You can, there's a, a video there that explains all about it. And uh, unfortunately it's not available right now, but it will be again in a few months. Wow. Ronnie, it's just like God says, it's the power of his word. It's just, the gospel is the power of God right here. And, and it is thank power you for, salvation. You know, you're making it so accessible that I uh, thank you for all the work that you've put into this and, and what that means to, to Christians, be able to feel a little more comfortable to go out and share God's word with people and know that power is going out to them. Yes, yes. You never know how God will use you until you put yourself out there. Last Friday, yeah. I had lunch with a friend of mine, Dr. Chick Shaver, and uh, the waitress was really sweet. And uh, I said to her, do you live around here? She says, no, I live in the Argentine, which is a district about 10 miles from us in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, where do you go to church down there? And she said, well, I don't really go anywhere right now. I said, well, I was raised Catholic. I said, well, if you were to die today, do you think you go to heaven? She says, well, I hope so. And I said, well, if I could show you how you could be sure you'll go to heaven, would you do what you need to do? And she said, yes. So we made an appointment. My wife and I went by and visited with her yesterday at the restaurant at the end of her shift. And we took the Billy Graham piece. We got God tracked with us, yeah. went through it. And she prayed and asked God to save her and put her trust in Christ. You never know. You never know. Way to I encourage people out to always have a track with them or a gift edition of the Gospel of John. You know, that's the other thing that, I want to say is that you actually are living out what you're saying. You're not just telling us things, you actually go do it. And that's, that's what's so encouraging and energizing and your passion is obvious. So thank you. Praise God. And I hope praise everybody just Lord. continue to pray for, 
for Rod and all the things he's into, the readable Bible, you know, the anointed one and so on, the, the giving Sunday. Uh, it's just wonderful. So thank you, Bruce. It's been wonderful to be with you today. And I look forward to uh, being with you in January. Yeah. I encourage everybody to get their church involved in gospel giving Sunday. Boy, that's fabulous. I'm, I can't wait to talk to my pastor this weekend about it. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> wonderful. Hey, thank you. God bless you and, and keep it up because uh, you're doing a great job for the kingdom. Okay, thank you. All right. Have a good week and a Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes, and Merry Christmas to you and your family.